then as you are proceeding towards actually exiting the body, that vibration may be raised higher in order to, um, you know, make it possible for the spirit to detach from the body. People will uh, go out of their body in different ways. Some people do it with thought. Some people roll out. Some people, um, uh, you know, kind of just have some assistance from spiritual guardians that are around them that help them to lift out the first times. There's, you know, there's a process that occurs, though, um, as you proceed through these experiences where you will proceed to higher and higher realms of knowledge. And so the, pr- the process will change dramatically over the years um, depending on what you're called to do and what you are being drawn into. But that is usually how people will experience it in the beginning. Okay. And after you've been having it for a long time, I mean, can you actually uh, invoke going into an out-of-body on your own? Well, the way I would put it, it's not that you're doing it on your own, um, but that you know how to... uh, be in a state of preparedness to receive it, so to speak. So um, there are people who will do it of their own accord. My own recommendation has always been that you want to allow the higher power of the universe to guide your traveling because you don't know what you don't know. So we as human beings are going to tend to be very limited in what we might seek or ask for, And what the universe has to show us is almost always going to be much more astounding than what we could even think up. So we're going to think up things that are very trivial and minimal in comparison. And so, you know, now what I would do, I do a lot of practices with meditation and prayer and things like this. And I I have a lot of uh, things that I do around my home to create a vibrational atmosphere that makes it easier for these experiences to occur, and um, by doing so, then, I am allowing uh, the universe to work through my body and my soul and bring these things about. But I've always allowed, and I, I really always highly recommend, allowing a higher power of the universe to guide the journeys because we don't have a clue what is out there for us uh, until we do that. Because there is so much more than what is commonly known or what is commonly uh, perceived to actually be achieved in these realms. You know, there are um, an infinite number of higher realms, an infinite number of lower realms, and an infinite number of mortal realms. We're not talking about traveling like through one dimension or two dimensions or three or four. We're talking about infinitesimal levels of dimensions. So... In order for us to really fully comprehend, we have to put ourselves under uh, under the guidance of uh, teachers. And um, you know, interestingly enough, as you proceed through the the journeying in the out of body travel state, you'll find that uh, there is a process that most people do go through, and my books go into this in great detail, which is you know how we actually begin to undergo evolution of the spirit and work through issues in the soul, work through the issues that we have come to this mortal realm to work through, and attain to higher and higher vibrational states. 
And what happens in, in this process is that you're going to have different guardian angels. You're going to have different um, teachers, spiritual guardians throughout the journey. So the teachers that you have in the beginning are possibly going to start by teaching you about oneness. But then you're going to start moving towards um, a whole plethora of different types of spiritual guardians and guidance that you're going to receive from many different sources as you proceed through these evolutionary spheres. And it's just impossible to guess. The only way to do it is to have a certain level of surrendering to the universe bringing to you what you need in that given moment to learn. Interesting. Now, can I ask you a question? One of the guests I had on out-of-body time travel says you could actually go back and change things in your life. Is that possible, or um, or have you been able to do that? Well, what I have experienced is that there, you know, there are many corridors and tunnels that you will experience in out-of-body travel. So there are some that will take you into the initiation rites. There are some that will take you into higher or lower realms. But there's also what is known as the time tunnel. And the time tunnel, you can travel backwards and forwards in time. And I've had many, many uh, experiences and journeys where I've been taken into previous time periods, future time periods, um, parallel time periods, to make alterations in uh, situations. I don't, I don't recall ever doing that for changing something in my current life now. Now, as to what they're saying, that would be interesting because I think it's possible because what can happen is you're going to go in there and do, when, we, when, you're, when you're in the out-of-body travel state, you're working with what I call the management realm. The management realm um, contains all the thoughts and the actions that are leading towards what's going to happen on the ground um, based on what energy is being put out. And so this is sometimes, ironically, wa- uh, you know, what a lot of psychics will touch into is the management realm. This is also partly why the, the perception of a psychic can be slightly off at times because the management realm can still be altered. It hasn't hit the ground yet. So, yes, someone could definitely travel back in time, go back into this management realm, and alter something as an outcome in their own life. I've never been drawn to do that or guided to do that. I have had thousands of experiences where I have been drawn in to do that for other souls. And so we go in and we alter something that might hit the ground and might significantly damage, like, the destiny or purpose of a particular individual. Sometimes we call it their program. Uh, if someone's making a, 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 just a bad mistake or they have a danger in their path and they're not aware of it and they need some, you know, this is where guardian angels come in, but it's also much more than just guardian angels. There's a whole spiritual system in place to help with altering realities um, in those realms before they hit the ground. And so that can actually be done. Interesting. Now, also going out of body, uh, you know, travel and stuff like that, it, traveling to like parallel universes, have you uh, done that often? Going into parallel universes? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, 
the interesting thing in the out-of-body travel state is that you will find that there are actually multiple, I would say, you know, I mean, minimum, you know, 15 or 20 different lines of destiny that your current life can actually be playing out in parallel dimensions. But the parallel realities go well beyond that. Because even just when you are leaving your body, when you enter into the spiritual awareness, you're going to see, for instance, um, the way that your room might appear in the physical sphere, it w- you will see it how it appears in the astral sphere, and there will be differences. Sometimes I've had times where they've actually almost like rolled this uh, circular device where you're seeing all the infinite possibilities. You might see 20 or 30 possibilities of how this is, how this is manifesting in 15 or 20 different uh, you know, parallel realities. But parallel realities goes well beyond what we're seeing here. So we have many different possible lifelines from the one that we're living in right now that could be playing out in parallels. But we also have the parallel realities that occur with higher dimensional beings and lower dimensional beings. And this is one of the things that I think people are misunderstanding about what we're seeing come to the surface these days because a lot of, like, for instance, the extraterrestrials, they're coming in on a lot of these uh, different interdimensional portals um, that are really parallel to our own, Um, not all of them but many of them are. And so what we're not realizing is, is that we have these worlds that are overlapping, but we just haven't been aware of them until maybe more recently, except for, you know, we have had, we have had prophets, saints, mystics, and sages from, you know, thousands of years who have been aware of certain things like these. But as a humanity, we're starting to come forward and recognizing that existence is much bigger than what we see in front of us through our physical three-dimensional eyes. And so we are now dealing with understanding multidimensional existence because it does overlap and parallel everything we do. Interesting. So in other words, that some of these ETs can actually be crossed over into our world from another type of uh, world system what you're saying is simple words yes yes and you know like for instance with the extraterrestrials excuse me you have you have some beings that we know have physical characteristics like the greys and the reptilians and you know there's praying mantis things we we hear about different manifestations that people have seen that are physical um, but there are also these other other extraterrestrials that are primarily interdimensional and that would go with the Pleiadians, and then there's other races. Um, there are two specific races that I like to talk about because I was given, uh, really, really honored to be given the opportunity in both of their cases to experience what their vibration and what their, um, what their level of evolution is, which is so far beyond us that it's really impossible to put it into words. But these particular two races are races that are here only for the purpose of spiritual evolution of the human soul. Many of the other races have other purposes here as well. The Pleiadians have a great deal to do here with the spiritual evolution as well, but there's also other purposes mixed with that. The other beings like the greys, the reptilians, you know, they're mortal beings, which means that 
um, they're just simply uh, looking to fulfill needs that they have. And, you know, just as it's not that much different from, you know, Christopher Columbus discovering America, it's going to be similar to this. We have other races that are coming in who are physical, who have um, uh, physical needs, mortal needs, that, that is, it's just going to be like that. They're going to have remnants of both good and evil within them. They're not, you know, just purely enlightened beings. These two species that I'm talking about are not, um, are not of that nature at all. These are pure light beings that come from very distant star planets, and they come through interdimensionally. The first ones that I saw, I saw them in the Himalayan, the Himalayan mountains um, in a mystical experience. I've never been there physically. Um, and what they showed me was that their vibration is so high They've only been able to make contact with five incarnate human souls. The reason for this is that their, their vibration is so far beyond us that most of us, we're just not prepared for it, and we need to prepare for it. Um, and so they were showing me how important it was for us to become receptive to their thrust. And what their thrust is, is that they impregnate, they implant within our spirit um, energetic elements that will help us to move further and uh, go towards evolution rather than standing still, which is a lot of what the problem has been for the human soul. We have to look at the human soul when we're talking about the out-of-body travel experience. The other race, also from a very distant planet, uh, but interdimensional light beings. These are extraterrestrials, and what they allowed me to do was to, I was embraced by the entity, and as I did so, I melted into him, and it was like he, we switched places for a moment. I was allowed to travel to his world, and he kind of took, held my place here in this one while I did so, so to speak. And it was such a beautiful, beautiful, such a highly loving, such a highly evolved place. I really didn't want to return. Um, when, I, when I came back, I was just um, so in awe of it and so honored to have been allowed to experience it. Um, but, you know, he did share with me that that was all I could handle at that time. Um, because, again, you know, we as human beings are... We need to, you know, work towards being more and more able to receive from these higher thrusts. And what happens is, is that because we generally operate from such a physical dimension of existence, it becomes hard for the assistance from the higher places to actually reach us. We have to reach out for the ability to raise our vibration um, in order to be able to receive that. Ironically, raising the vibration is a big part of the out-of-body experience. You will actually go through what I call vibrational raisings um, for many, many years, and then the vibrational raisings will also transmute into different types of uh, experiences and ways of operation. But the reason you have to go through these vibrational raisings is because every time you're transcending to a higher world or a higher realm, um, you have to have your vibration at the level that makes you compatible. If you try to go into a realm that is too high for the, the actual vibrational 
level of the particles of your soul, you will feel like you're being crushed. It's very, very profound experience. Um, they allowed me to experience it on a couple of occasions so I could understand why the vibrational raising was absolutely essential because we can't actually travel higher unless we are actually engaging in raising that vibrational level. But going back to these particular races, that is part of the key of being able to receive from these particular uh, societies who um, have only the best interests for the evolution of the human soul. They have nothing to gain from helping us. They just do it um, as a noble deed. Well, Marilyn, and, um, I got to ask you. So it's just, I got to ask you a question here that, that, that sure. I'm, I'm confused. Okay, when you kind of went into his place and you got to see what his world was like, what comment did he have to you when he shared your body? I mean, thoughts and and and, and surroundings. Um, basically, the comment uh, there weren't, weren't. You have to remember they don't really communicate in the way that we do, they're much more telepathic, so it's much more of an energetic exchange because these are very highly evolved ones. But basically, um, to be blunt, it was, it was very uncomfortable for him, and, and he let me know because I was basically begging, please let me just go to your world and stay there. And he was letting me know that I was not ready and that I was, uh, you know, it was, it was almost kind of like, funny that I would ask because I was, I still had such a long way to go before I could even, even consider anything close to that. So he was trying to be kind, but at the same time, let me know that it was a ridiculous proposition because I had to earn my right to live in such a place. Um, and that's, you know, that's part of what our spiritual journey really is, you know, and in the out-of-body experience, I write a lot about this in The Mysteries of the Redemption, uh, which is, uh, <clears throat> you know, that's available at the website outofbodytravel.org. Um, but there's a process that we're going through as we're doing these out-of-body experiences. It's not just for the sake of, wow, this is cool. It's for the sake of purification. You know, we live in what's called the third and fourth realm here, on earth and this isn't the only place that is a third and fourth realm world we are one of many but this is uh, a third and fourth realm world which means that this is one of those worlds where the battles between good and evil take place um, so that makes it similar to like a purgation purgatorial type world so <clears throat> what you have is that we incarnate here for the purpose of uncovering our karmic influences, uncovering our vices and the things which are holding us back from the light. And so, in essence, we're looking for what are the dark spots within our souls that are holding us back from going higher. And so, in a mortal world, we have to focus on the purification of the darkness within ourselves and on the darkness around us, in the world around us, we have both of those things to deal with when we are incarnate in a world like this. And so we're trying to move from this uh, energy. Now, like, when you are in the third and fourth realm, what you have is the realms below us 
are the realms of ever-increasing darkness, and the realms above us are ever-increasing light. And we're here right in the, you know, in the middle world where there's both. There's elements of good and evil here. And in order for us to really start soaring and move into the fifth realms and above, we have to purify. And in order for me to ever be able to go to um, that planet, that beautiful place, that world, I would have to progress quite a bit before I could be you know, worthy to receive such a gift. I was very honored and lucky to even just be made aware of its existence. And I think some, somewhat, to some degree, it's important for people to know that these higher places exist, but we have to reach for them in order to eventually be able to attain to them. If we don't realize that they are out there, if we don't realize that there is more to achieve and more to um, ascend towards, we have a tendency to stand still, and this is a very common hindrance in in the mortal world here and in mortal realms where people will stand still because they're not realizing that there is something to be achieved while we're here. And if we achieve those things, there are, there are wonderful, wonderful, beautiful transitions into lighter and finer frequencies of light. But we do, we do earn them. We have to earn them, and we go through processes to be made ready. Um, uh, we have to become compatible, too, so to speak. One of the things that's very important to understand about the out-of-body experiences and the spiritual world, and this also applies very much to the afterlife, which is compatibility. We go where we're compatible. So when we cross over, we're going to naturally resonate above, middle, or, or even go down a little bit, depending on where our loves are. And our loves can be for the higher, finer things, or for lower things. And the ironic thing is in the out-of-body experience, you will find that the things that hold us back actually put weight upon our soul, which means that so when you're actually out-of-body and you're floating, if you have like a hindrance, you're going to start going down. But as you're throwing off hindrances, you all of a sudden become lighter and you start rising higher and higher. And so there's a lot of uh, relevance here with compatibility, but also the weight of the soul. So we want to remove things that are holding us down and the things that are uh, hindering us from rising to higher, finer frequencies, which you know, hopefully at some point it will lead us to being able to uh, be part of some of these beautiful higher frequency worlds that um, we may not yet be compatible to. But how many people out there actually have out-of-body experiences? Or do they have it without realizing it? Most people do have them um, when they're sleeping at night. There are different levels of consciousness Involved, So some people um, will have, most people are, are unconscious or subconscious, which means they won't remember what's happening. That does not mean, however, 
that the angelic realm is not working on them in their sleep or things like that. There are also darker forces that work as well, and that's, you know, getting into the battles between the principalities and the powers, which is something, a whole other subject there. But we are always being assisted, especially as we ask for it and seek it, um, whether we're aware of it or not. But there are some people who are more aware of aspects of it. They might have an experience here or there that they remember, or they may have an experience that they remember in part, like through a lucid dream. When you have an actual fully conscious out-of-body experience, it's not going to be one of those things where you're like, did I or didn't I? It's going to be so powerful that you have no question. And the reason for that <clears throat> is because when you go into the vibrational state, that is so intensely powerful, you cannot deny it. And the next thing you're going to do is you're going to hear what are, I call the thoughts of humanity. You're going to start hearing the voices and you're going to start hearing what sounds a lot like jet engine noises. That's the different um, sounds of the astral plane and other planes that you might be going to travel. When you actually separate from your physical body fully consciously, it is such a powerfully mind-altering experience. You will have no question that you actually had a fully conscious out-of-body experience. A lot of people misunderstand that. You can have different levels where you can have portions of memory, but they're not fully conscious. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, but it isn't the same as a fully conscious. And when you have it fully consciously, you're not going to have any doubt what that was. Uh, the power of it, the vibrations, the, um, the frequencies that you're touching into sound-wise, vibration-wise, um, it's all going to be so overwhelmingly present it's an undeniable experience it sounds interesting one of my guests i had on oh months ago uh boy he wrote a book on too again about time travel out-of-body experiences when he was about 13 years old uh, he had his first out-of-body experience and in, in what he saw when he was 13 he saw that one he was going to be a professor uh, this is to somebody that was going to school that wasn't doing very good at school at 13 and 14. <laughs> and, and, you know, and he actually had his out-of-body experience. He fell out of a tree, matter of fact. And while he was unconscious, he had his out-of-body experience. And he saw his life, you know, going forward, you know, at a certain age, he was going to become a professor, another... Uh, at a certain age, he saw himself traveling like to Japan and all this stuff. And you know what? When he got 30-some years old, it all started happening. And he remembered his dream or out-of-body experience. And it, and it, 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 have you ran across people like that? Oh, that's, that's not uncommon at all. I've heard that in a lot of cases of people who have been given that kind of information. There's a lot of people in my field, you know, other colleagues and writers who have had that. Um, when I had my experience at the age of nine, I was shown that I was going to have um, some type of calling with this that would come upon me later in life, and it did, you know. Um, and I've just heard from many, many people, because I get a lot of emails and stuff, people uh, have this type of experience uh, pretty commonly, even if it's not fully like an 
totally out-of-body experience. People will have it in some kind of really mind-blowing dream in their, when they're younger, and it kind of sets the stage and helps them to remember the, the destination of their life. And, you know, we spoke earlier about the program, <clears throat> the program being what we came here to do. Uh, why did we incarnate again? What are we here to do? And so part of the purpose of those experiences is to help the soul to be focused forward towards the purpose of the incarnation, that they will hopefully reach towards the uh, purpose of why they came back. Um, you know, a lot of times, a lot of people, when they come back into another lifetime, they can get lost. You know, we can get diverted. We can get unfocused, distracted, and all sorts of things. And so, ironically, one of the things that people who have out-of-body experiences will will definitely feel is a guiding hand to keep them on that path towards that purpose that they set out to accomplish originally. What do you see with a higher plane of these two uh, races of aliens? Did they give you any clues what's going to happen on our planet if we don't do, uh, you know, uh, evolve? I think that we have a few different possible outcomes, and this is what I've, um, and it's kind of, you know, it's a little bit sad, but, you know, the, the original intention <clears throat> was for them to help us to transition to a higher uh, spiritual energy and move the Earth into, like, the galactic council of planets and galaxies and stuff, um, and that has been a little bit diverted. So what we have is uh, several potential outcomes. One is the planet can go uh, towards uh, standing still, so to speak. And if that's the case, it's going to become more and more deadened, so to speak. The spiritual will be harder to attain. It will be harder for people to uh, manage a thrust that has to do with evolutionary purpose. We could go backwards, and that could happen in any number of ways. That could be nuclear war. That could be an asteroid hits the planet. It could be do-over. You know what I mean? Uh, we could, you know, be looking at the uh, end of civilization as we know it, and it all has to start again. It could also be um, what I was shown many, many years ago was a time that is coming in the next 10 to 15 years now. I had this in the early 90s. I was given the exact dates, but um, <clears throat> what I was shown was we could be looking at a very serious world conflict, the outcome of which would be planet determinative. It would either be going towards darkness or towards light. And um, very, very serious times ahead of us. Um, we, have, we had a lot of help coming in about 10 years ago from the Pleiadians and some other um, civilizations. They've had to pull back because there is a lot of clatter, I guess I would say, just, you know, the chatter of the planet, the, um, the intemperance of the thoughts of humankind. It's very difficult for a higher program, a higher purpose to actually emerge into the consciousness of humanity. We are kind of a stubborn little species, you know. <laughs> oh, you can say that um, again. So, yes. 
And so it, it hasn't been easy, and it's been, you know, kind of wavering, going backwards a little bit, where we've had a lot more evil enter into the atmosphere, which has led to a lot of conflicts that have been very, 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 very serious around the world that are becoming, you know, determinative. Of course, we also have the, the uh, issues that will come from the climate and planetary change issues. That's, of course, that's what, you know, Marilyn, I'm really worried about that because, you know, I, I talk about it a lot on my show is I really think that they're not being honest with, uh, with the people. I think it's a lot shorter time we have before these major effects with Antarctica, the, the melting of the ice, the sea level, this maybe the stalling of the, uh, you know, water coming from the equator, you know, going up to Europe, keeping it from turning it into an ice age. I, I got a, a magnetic uh, 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 field is moving big time fast. Uh, we're ready for a pole shift. I mean, I think our planet more than ever needs help right now, and I'm really, really concerned. Well, I think that we have good reason to be concerned, and I, um, you know, the the um, climate change issue um, is an issue uh, regardless, but, you know, then you have the influx of, okay, um, what about if there's any kind of nuclear detonations, which would uh, impact climate change even more, and the habitability of the planet. Um, and from what I have experienced with many of these races, especially the ones who are physical, third and fourth dimensional type beings who, you know, like uh, the greys and all these guys who are, um, you know, mortal beings like we are, is that this is not the first time in apparently, you know, universal history where Planets have been uh, destroyed by stupid activities of the inhabitants. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so one of the things that is of great concern is trying to prevent such a... If you look at our world, uh, we have so many ecologies. We have so many species of life, animals, plants. Um, we have a very unusual planet in that regard, um, so there is a great deal of concern about this. That doesn't mean there aren't other planets out there with similar possibilities. But, you know, I think we lose sight of the fact that the Earth is really quite special. You know, when you look at places like Mars, which is primarily, uh, you know, desert, um, and you look at places like Venus, which is just gas, you know, a lot of gas, um, look at these other types of planetary systems and what are uh, possible. A planet like Earth is something very special, and that's why we've got the attention of the Galactic Federation. It's because they want to do everything humanly possible to help us not to destroy it, you know. But it can happen, and it is of great concern. I do know that a lot of assistance has been coming in from um, the extraterrestrials, um, but also from higher realms as well, you know, the angelic, you know. So you have, you have a lot of different sources that are trying to help stabilize the planet. But these are real uh, serious problems, and we're not really going to know the outcome of them 
for another good, you know, 10 to 15 years as to where we will stand. And, um, but, you know, the thing that each one of us can do is reaching out for the higher spiritual thrust. Every single soul who does this makes the, the potential of the planet rise. And so, you know, we feel very powerless because, yeah, we are just one person. But every single one of us, who, when we reach for that, it's like taking the hand of the eternal, allowing ourselves to become a vessel for the cleansing of not only our souls, but also the, this planet, this world. There's going to be um, a lot of concern over the earth uh, because of the fact that we have such a unique planet. There are so many different kinds of life that can exist on the surface of the earth. We have so many different kinds of life that can exist in the sea as well as on the land. We have, we have deserts, mountain. Uh, we have, you know, uh, New Zealand is, you know, like this amazing ecosystem, you know what I mean, <laughs> with, with uh, species that go back all the t to the time of the dinosaurs and things like this. But we have all of these different types of uh, ecosystems that support all of these different kinds of life. And when you think about that, it will help you to understand why we have the attention of many different species of extraterrestrial, because they all have different needs as well. And so they're looking for what do we need to sustain our life on a world. You know, we have information indicating that the greys, um, you know, destroyed their own planet in a war, which is what we are desperately concerned we might do here. Um, and they're living on a planet that is way close to the sun, and they have a very short lifespan because of the radiation, you know, 30 years tops, you know. And so what they're looking for, like a lot of these others, is ecosystems that will work for their individual forms of life. And we've seen so many different kinds. You know, people have reported reptilians, the praying mantis. You've heard about the ones that live in, underwater. Um, we've, we've seen and heard about different types of digestive systems and how they, uh, you know, how their hearts and lungs work and, and what kinds of things they need to actually sustain themselves in terms of, uh, you know, nutrition. And that's what we're looking at here. We have literally a gold mine in the earth, and we're destroying it, and that's very, very devastating um, to a much bigger picture, which in involves the entire universal, you know, um, the, the entire universal sphere of existence. And worlds like the earth um, garner attention because they are in so much need of protection. And unfortunately, um, you know, we as a species do not have the foresight like many of them might have about the serious consequences of the use of nuclear power. Um, and we don't have uh, the foresight about even the serious consequences of the abuse of the uh, the ecology, the you know what I'm saying there. Well, I yeah. Well, I can say this: you can't keep pumping the blood out of the earth and expect not having earth changes. What I mean, the pumping oil, for example, 
And then holes after you you drain the field, you start pumping water in, thinking, "Oh, that, that this will stabilize it." It doesn't stabilize it. A few years later, all of a sudden, you find big sinkholes developing everywhere. It, it you know, a lot of the stuff it, it's been going on, it's been all brought on by humans for the last hundred years. We've actually taken a beautiful planet in the last hundred years and have almost got it to the point where it's in. Well, it's not going to support life uh, probably another hundred years from now at the rate we're going. Well, and that is a very scary prospect, but it is the prospect we're facing. And it shows us uh, how important and uh, how significant every one of our individual lives can be in terms of what we do choose to do uh, in terms of protecting our planetary sphere. And it is very difficult because... um, Part of what happened over the last hundred years is, as we all know, you know, we have an industrial revolution, and we had um, a misunderstanding because of, uh, you know, lack of understanding of these bigger things. Uh, we have to look at how people were a hundred years ago. They did not have the understanding that any of these things could actually do the amount of damage that they can. Now that we do know this, we have to change the way we're doing things because it's absolutely true. We can take advantage and take for granted what's been given to us and not even realize that we can go forward and possibly destroy it and lose it as a result. One of the things that I have found to be interesting is you know, seeing that there are some people that we hear about, not very often, but we hear about them, um, who are coming up with really, really revolutionary ways to, first of all, like, uh, uh, you know, clean up polluted lakes. Um, there's uh, several people who have come up with really neat ideas to start dealing with the plastics in our oceans. And that's the kind of thing we want to really energize because these are people that God is sending to Earth to give us... Um, some answers as to what can we do about the damage that's already done, which is going to have to be dealt with if we want to clean this up and give the earth a chance to regenerate. We don't want the earth to have to regenerate by having to expel the inhabitants, you know, and that's basically what happened, you know, with the last ice age. You know, the asteroid hits, the dinosaurs all go extinct, and the earth regenerates. Um, but that's not, that's hopefully we don't want that to happen. We would like to avoid that if at all possible. So we want to give the earth a chance to regenerate, um, by working in cooperation with the process of regeneration rather than against it. And we do have a huge, a huge problem in front of us because one of the things that I think is going to be the most difficult to overcome is the, uh, varying countries making individual decisions about what they are willing to do in climate change and cleaning up the planet. Well, and I, I, I got to, I got to interject here. Something. Okay. Japan yeah. right now, they're faced because of the, the reactor meltdown that there's or reactors meltdown, which is still going on. They have billions of billions, a gallon, a gallons of wastewater. That's highly radioactive. And they're very close to dumping it into the Pacific Ocean because they have nowhere else to put it. And as soon as they dump this into the Pacific Ocean, it, it's going to kill 
a lot of sea life. Right now in Washington State, off of California, off of Oregon, they're already finding fish that is radioactive from what's wow. happened in Japan. Now, once this happens, it is going to do some massive damage uh, to sea life. And that's the problem we're facing. Our technology is not where it should be. And, and, and all these things that is going on, I just can't see how we're going to recover from it. I just, I can't. You know, I really feel like our planet has been rebooted several times. I can't believe we're. I the, agree with you. I think it has. I just I can't believe that. that we're the, the only race it, it's ever been here. I have a feeling because the Finks itself, they came to conclusion. I've brought this up numerous times on our, our show here that the Finks is way older than they ever thought. The wear marks on the back for years and years, they said, oh, that was created from the sand blowing on it. Well, in the last few years, they came to the conclusion, no, the Finks was under an ocean. Well, if it was under the ocean, that puts it pre, uh, pre-man. So who created the, the Finks? Who created some of this stuff out there, the technology that's still remaining? I, I think a lot of this stuff is pre-us humans, our, our race that's walking the, the, the planet and walking the streets right now. That scares me. And I, I'm really scared as if we don't, in our minds, you know, get ourselves focused and realize and get our governments to realize we can't go on the way it's going. Antarctica, okay, we're not talking. For, first, it was 100 years. Then it was 40. Then it's 20. I've been reading now it's 10 to 15 years. And then when that happens, basically all of Europe is going to go into an ice age. We're not even prepared for it. We're not even prepared for it at all. The, certainly the guy living in North Carolina on the seacoast or in Florida that owns land isn't prepared for it. No, we're not prepared for any of it. I agree with you completely. And I do feel we have ample evidence to indicate that we have, we have uh, put the earth through regeneration many, many times. You know, we've got the Sphinx, which you very articulately explained. We have in India... Uh, you know, hundreds of feet below where they have, um, you know, evidence of a previous atomic war that must have happened, you know, millennia ago. Um, we have, you know, the Ice Age, but we also have indications of other species that have intermingled over, over time. So we, we, know that, um, we know that this is very possibly what happened. We have a lot of, you know, we have a lot of underwater cities as well, not just Atlantis and Lemuria, but, you know, they found a lot of underwater places. And so what we see is the possibility that over millions of years, the Earth may have had many, many different civilizations that we may never really know uh, about uh, because they are so ancient. And so what this tells us, which ironically is the conundrum of the mortal realms, is let's take the planet, but let's go back to the individual soul as well, because the problem is the same. What happens is we reincarnate, we reincarnate, and we, we lose our way, and we end up standing still and not achieving what we need to, to do when we get here. Um, same thing is happening with the planet. It's happening over and over again. It has to regenerate. It has to go through a whole new epoch of time because we keep messing it up. So we're messing it up on a grander scale, 
as a species, we're messing it up on an individual scale. Well, we're missing the fact that not only do we have to deal with the spiritual evolution of the soul and the fact that if we don't, we are missing the point of our existence here. You know, one of the things we understand is that as mortal realm, we come in here and we are here temporarily. Some people are here for a few years. Some people are here maybe at most 100. Most people, you know, are somewhere between, you know, 50 and 70 years, and we lose a lot of people who are very young. We forget how short our lifespan is. Now, that in and of itself should tell us something about the purpose of our existence. It means that there is something that we must achieve in this very short period of time that we are given here in this physical realm in order to accomplish the purpose of our incarnation. And again, that goes back to the purification of the soul. And this is happening on a societal level as well. We see this not only in all of these ecological disasters, the climate change, the fact that we have ample evidence to indicate that the earth has had to regenerate many times over, but we also see it in the fact that we have many different levels of evolution that exist within our world all at the same time in different locations. We have, we have things like ISIS. We have things that come in that are almost like prehistoric man, you know, um, where people are uh, a completely different space spiritually than they might be in another location. We have, we have aborigines. We have shamans in the woods. We have people living in absolute poverty, and we have people living in absolute wealth. There are many, many different scenarios that we can take on in our incarnations on Earth. This is a broad panorama of experience for the human soul. But what we're missing is that we have a very short period of time to accomplish something that will change the thrust of our spirit when we leave this planet, when we die. And if we don't, then we've stood still and wasted time yet again. And we have done that. We have wasted time, not just individually as souls, but as a species over and over and over again. And one of the things that out-of-body experiences will teach all of us is to stop wasting time and to go directly towards the focus of why are you here this time, what do you need to be doing? And this is what we're going to have to do with the planet as well. And, you know, we only have so much control over that outcome, but we have to do that as well. It's going to be a big challenge. We don't know how it's going to turn out yet, but, it, you know, it could go very badly or it could go well. And a lot does deter, you know, a lot is determined by how much assistance we allow to come in to help us. Um, when we are allowing higher assistance to come in to help us, even individually, we are actually allowing higher assistance to come into the realm. So we don't realize that by taking up the mantle of our own spiritual evolution, we are actually also allowing the mantle of the spiritual evolution of the species, of the race, and of the planet to also be receiving higher thrusts. And so everything that we do towards that good is going to be affecting all of these things across the board. And that's what makes it so important. I think so. Now, another question, too. How about when you travel to a parallel universe? Are, uh, have you or have you talked to anybody that has seen what the planet has ended up? Has it 
ended up beautiful or could it been a demise of a planet? I'll tell you what I saw. I had uh, an out-of-body experience about this um, actually years ago, and I was taken to another planet, and I was there with um, many, many um, beings from many, many different planets. It was very interesting because there were so many different types of beings there. And we had been taken there specifically to watch what was going to happen to the Earth. And we're watching from a distance, and the Earth is spinning, and we're seeing all this energy. And it looks all of a sudden like the Earth is actually coming towards us and is going to crash into the planet. We all experience this moment of panic. But what happens is a parallel Earth is born instead. So what you end up having is there is this one world of the Earth, which is very, very much the way it is right now. And the parallel Earth was a higher dimensional experience of the Earth. So this was more for those spirits and souls who were actually uh, moving their vibrational thrust forward towards evolution. And so there was like a, a transfer of consciousness in this, in that it was like um, part, a, part of the, a part of the Earth was separated and apart from this older Earth, which was no longer going to be able to serve some of these inhabitants who needed to be in a higher vibrational thrust of the Earth. So there were two Earths. Um, one was um, a lighter Earth, and the other one remained much more of a solid, kind of more darkened kind of plane of existence. And it was shown that the souls would resonate to the earth that was most compatible to their own spiritual evolution at the time. And uh, so, you know, and I've, I've read about this even with other people since I had the experience, having something about the parallel separation of the earth. You know, there can be, ironically, when you look at parallel realities, there can be, you know, there can be dozens of parallel earths. But this was something that I was shown specifically that particular time, maybe to show it to me in a way that I could understand. Because, you know, sometimes when these experiences get into, you know, so much multiplicity um, with our conditioned human mind, we have to have a little bit of help to understand. You know what I'm saying? It's hard for us to understand what we're seeing. But in reality, we could have dozens of parallel Earths. They could all be serving, you know, multitudinous uh, purposes at the same time. But I do think, you know, at, when we look at what we're looking at for the trajectory of this realm, this parallel Earth that we are all traveling on, um, we have, you know, we have some concerns about what that outcome can be. Because certainly um, it could be very bad. You know what I mean? Uh, that's the scary part. I kind of got a funny feeling we're going on the bad side. So, I, I you know, I, I do, you know, really feel it has a lot to do with a person's attitude and life, too. I, I mean, a lot of people are going around and feeling negative all the time. And, it, and that, you know, the, you, the old term is if you feel negative, it, it breeds negativity. And that's what happens. I think if people were more into religion, more into loving themselves, their neighbors, their wives, their family, and humans, 
I, I, I got a funny feeling that, that, you know, we wouldn't be where we're at right now. Well, that's a very good point. And, you know, one of the things that I would suggest to people, because I think, um, to be fair to most, most people are feeling this, this negativity and this thrust that comes in. We see it even on a political level in our country. There's such a divide. Um, but what we can do, what we can do individually, is if we recognize that within ourselves of, gee, you know, I'm really having a hard time not being negative, but I recognize that staying that way is not serving me and it's not serving the realm and it's not going to help anybody move forward. <laughs> what we can do is we become conscious, consciously aware of that, and then we start making one decision at a time where we're going to start, okay, instead of just being really angry about this, I'm going to do this instead, this one time. And then you just start doing one thing at a time. And, of course, we absolutely want to encourage kindness to one another. We want to give each other, you know, the benefit of the doubt. There is a lot of accusatory-type um, behavior in our country in particular these days where people really want to just tear people down. They find a flaw or a fault, and they don't have the, the necessary compassion for the fact that, you know, uh, we all have those faults. And we want to be holding up our brothers and sisters, not tearing them down. And when people have a fall or when people are struggling, we don't want to rip them down further we want to help to lift them up. One of the things that I was taught from the very beginning in my out-of-body experiences was that, first of all, creation continues to create and that we have to give back to creation what creation gives to us. And much of what I do in the out-of-body state has to do with entering into other realms, um, not just doing the alterations that we talked about earlier, but going into other realms, whether they're purgatorial realms or lower realms, and offering energetic assistance and alteration to souls who are struggling in those realms. Why do we do this? Because I have spiritual guardians from higher realms than this who are helping me, and that's how we give back to creation what creation gives to us, that we, be, we have to become compassionate towards our brothers and sisters who are struggling in these mortal realms and with the, with the concepts of good and evil and the things that are holding them down in the negativity that is making it impossible for them to have a forward thrust. So what we do individually, if we see that in ourselves, we start making individual decisions. Don't take on everything all at the same time. You say, I'm going to do this, this one thing to combat this negative thinking that I've got going on, or I hate this, or I hate this person, or I hate this situation, and I'm going to come up with something very positive that I'm going to do instead, even if it's not something profoundly amazing. It's just I've decided that I'm going to love that person, despite the fact that I know this. I'm going to uh, change my attitude about this situation. I am going to love this situation even though it is painful and filled with all kinds of emotional conflict, because I'm going to offer compassion to my own life <laughs> you know, or to the life of another. We make 
so even if it's if there's nothing you can do like like okay i can't go out and uh you know completely resolve this situation just like i can't go out and clean the oceans all by myself but we have people make a decision where they're going to do one thing and then it starts multiplying we have to start allowing ourselves to allow compassion to arise within our souls towards ourselves and also then it makes it much easier when we are truly honest with ourselves to allow that compassion to arise for others too in the out-of-body travel experience you are often taken into your own vices your own failings the things you may not have done correctly or the best and so you're shown your faults your failings your flaws and the reason for this is not for you to feel like crap about yourself. It's for you to be able to recognize and then begin to the work of altering or changing that particular aspect. And as you do so, it allows more light to come into your soul. But the other thing that happens is when we are given the beautiful opportunity to actually witness our own flaws in their in their uh in their truth which means that we see it the way god sees it when we are given to see our own flaws it allows for us to generate a great deal of compassion for our fellow human beings because there's not one of us who does not struggle with a whole plethora of issues or vices or flaws and what we find is that we when we try to love one another stand with one another as we face our demons so to speak face our failings so to speak when we stand with one another we all rise and that's what we forget and what we miss when we enjoy the downfall of another we need to remember that the reality is that there is not one among us who doesn't have something that they're not proud of in their life if not many many things i think for me it's many many things <laughs> you know um and what we have to do is develop this desire to be an aid and a helpmate to our fellow travelers through this realm um, by being loving, kind, compassionate, and present for those who are undergoing struggles rather than compounding the suffering and the difficulty that they face by judgment, by unkindness, um, by not recognizing that we all are but for the grace of God go I, and we all know that uh, many of the things that we see in our brothers and sisters are things that we also share. And so this honesty with ourselves and with others allows all of us to rise. And we have to be kinder to one another. And it really is, you know, very, very simple in that the first steps we take are what appear to be minute, but they're not minute because what it is is it is a complete change in trajectory. Now, a lot of people will struggle in these times with the negativity, 
And one of the things that we have to remember is that, that the way the realm is going always impacts us. And so there is a lot of negativity in the vibrations of the realm. And people have gotten even more and more negative, greatly in part because it's continuing to just get thicker and thicker and thicker in the, in the you know, spiritual spheres around us. And people feel that. They respond to it. But what we can do is recognize it in ourselves, and then we make a decision about what we're going to do just for one step. Because if we, if we try to take the whole thing on, then it's overwhelming. If you take, okay, I'm going to change my trajectory about this one thought or this one instance in my life, then you can take another one. And then it starts to multiply on itself. But if you just look at it and you're just like uh, surrounded in this real negative construct, it feels way too overwhelming to overcome. And that's why we want to take one step of kindness, whether it's kindness towards ourselves, kindness towards others. It's all going to be that we want to do something that is within the energy of love because love is the transformative substance of the spirit and the soul. And so what we can do then is examine what that is around us through the eyes of love and come up with, okay, what's that step going to be? And it, and it becomes much simpler because what we realize is every movement of love is changing the trajectory for your soul, but we're also changing the trajectory of the you know, the unit of consciousness, the oneness of life, every thought that we have is going to impact that. But at the same time, because there is so much negativity within that sphere of thinking, people are going to be impacted by it and feel it. And that's why they have to make conscious decisions to counter it. Because oh, yeah. it's not going to happen automatically. It's going to be harder because there is so much negativity right now. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Hey, Marilyn, we're virtually out of time. How can people find your books, your website? Give out all this information. We are at outofbodytravel.org. Um, I've written over 90 books, 30 magazines, and I even have 15 CDs on out-of-body travel and you can download all of that for free there at outofbodytravel.org. We also offer a course of study there where you can follow, um, follow some very specific guidelines to begin and follow through with your own journey to out-of-body travel. And uh, you can contact me as well. The email is at the website, and uh, we'd love to see you there. Well, Marilyn, it's been really great having you on Night Dreams Talk Radio. Uh, we learned a little bit uh, tonight, but I guess it all comes down to, you know, out-of-body, uh, you know, experience uh, to, well, universal or whatever, to um, out there anyway, is your attitude. And we need to really think about our families, our human race, and think positive thoughts versus negative thoughts. I mean, it's really hard, really hard to think sometimes positive with all the things that's happening worldwide. But you know what? This has been going on as long as humans been, you know, walking the earth. It's just more noticeable now because of the Internet. 
yes, that's true. And it, you know, it is the human conundrum. (laughs) It is our definite human conundrum. Oh, yeah, it is. (laughs) Anyway, Marilyn, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much. It was great talking with you, Gary. Okay. You take care and uh, have a great weekend that's coming up. You too. Thank you so much. You take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, I'm sorry, you know, people have been, you know, messaging me. Oh, you're not your normal self. No, I, I've been sick the last couple of days, actually in bed for the last couple of days. I, I, I had to do the show tonight. I just could not go another day without doing the show. But, you know, out-of-body uh, t- uh, travel, time travel, uh, all this stuff out there, I do feel that it has to be some truth of it because I've talked to so many people that have had out of body experiences where they saw themselves, you know, as an adult when they were a kid, certain things happened that they had that out of body experience when they were young materialized. I I do think we have that capability, but we do have such a negative outlook at life, you know, just even day to day living and I think as a, as a human race, it all adds up. I don't know. Anyway, tomorrow we're going to be talking about UFOs. Friday, we're going to be talking about UFOs. Next week, we're going to be talking about aliens and UFOs. Make sure you tune in to Night Dreams Talk Radio. Tell your friends about us. You'll find us at www.nightdreamstalkradio.com. Again, I apologize. I'm just not my bubbly self here. It's even hard to even talk right now. I'm losing my voice. Everybody, have a great evening, and we'll be back tomorrow for the full two hours. Take care. The views, opinions, and representations expressed on the Night Dreams Talk Radio Network and its website are those of the hosts, guests, and participants, and are not necessarily those of or endorsed by the network, its affiliated stations and broadcasts, the management, other hosts, or advertisers of the network. The shows found on the Night Dreams Talk Radio Network can, but do not necessarily, promote any particular lifestyle, belief, religion, political affiliation, or other personal practice. These shows are for entertainment purposes only and are not intended to treat, diagnose, and or claim any cure of disease or condition or give any medical or legal advice. You're listening to my friend Gory Anderson on My Dreams Talk Radio, the best in paranormal radio.